Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. This week's lesson, we're going to be talking about formal and informal English and the difference between them and why it's absolutely essential that you understand this difference. Um, I've got a strange job. I teach academic English skills at Essex University. So I spent half the time, or half my time, telling students that they should write more formally. I teach people on foundation year courses. So they've just done A-levels in the UK and they're now preparing to start a degree. So they're not quite ready to start a degree. And there's a reason why they're not. And partly it's study skills, being able to do your own research without resorting to the internet and how you, what you do with that research and how you uh, describe it, how you think critically about it and how you, uh, well, rewrite it in academic language for your assignments. And it's tough. It's tough. It's not easy when possibly, you, well, obviously you've never done it before, but also you've never thought maybe about the difference between what you say when you're speaking and then how you have to present that much more carefully when you're writing. So this really is a struggle for a lot of people and I'll, I have to say native speakers, I don't like that term, but all of my students are native speakers, they've just done A-levels in English and Presumably, when you do A-levels, you learn a lot of facts, you rewrite the facts, um, and that's it. That's all you have to do. And then it comes as a huge shock then when you go to university, when you suddenly have to paraphrase other people's ideas without copying them, without plagiarizing. And you have to write that in an extremely um, academic language, which is different from the one that you speak. So this, yeah, I've said it before, it, it's, a, it's a real struggle. And I, I don't really know sometimes what the solution is. What I'm going to talk about today is the Ten Commandments of Academic Writing, which I made for my students this week, just hoping that because it's a bit of fun, that it might be a bit more memorable. Because we're coming to the end of the first term now, coming up to Christmas, and despite having spent about nine weeks analysing academic writing, um, still it was a deadline Monday they had to hand in their essays, and I was still getting emails on Monday morning saying, um, can I use contractions and... Can I, should I quote my sources? Like the very, very basic elements of academic writing. So I don't know what the solution is. I, I, I must say it's not their fault. I have to, what I've noticed is that, you know, mobile phones, uh, using screens has had a terrible effect. And I'm talking from somebody who has a 14-year-old son, and I see it day in, day out. Um, the, the point of going to, to university, to academia, is that you're studying academic subjects, um, 
And that involves, you know, going to the library, finding articles, uh, digesting them. You can't find all of that stuff on a phone. But, you know, one of the basic tasks they have to do is come to class with an article they found. I would say about 80% of them just bring their phone and point a screen at me. And research has shown that you don't digest or process information as well when you're just flicking through a screen. You know, you have to write on it, you have to take notes, even use a blue pen. Research has shown the links between writing stuff down and using a pen has a huge impact. And by the way, that was a recent question in task two, where the handwriting skills should be taught. Um, I just see students who take notes, take their own notes, write on the paper, write comments, doing far, far better than the ones who are just reading from a screen on the bus. And I'm sorry to sound like an old fogey, but these Kids go to university and pay a heck of a lot of money. They want a degree. Um, and they, it's, it's so difficult for them to get that these days um, without a, a struggle. And what my job is to try and make it easier for them. And the same goes for my IELTS students. Um, so when I say I've got a funny job, I spend half of my time telling people to write formal English. I spend the other half of my time telling people to write informal English. So if you're doing the general training exam, you know that for task one, you have to write an informal letter. So even if you're not doing general training, you will have to send emails wherever you are in English and you want to get the tone right. And this is the whole purpose of task one in the general training. But people don't believe me and it's breaking my heart. I mark IELTS papers and you get a five if the tone is wrong. So... I see people throwing away hundreds of dollars every day because either they don't know that they have to use an informal tone or they just don't quite believe it. They think it's a test, so they adopt a formal tone even to their best friend. Or they don't feel confident using informal English. Possibly that could be one of the problems. Um, but there are really simple ways, and I get so frustrated, you can probably hear it in my voice, really simple ways of making your English either more informal or formal, depending on the circumstances. And I don't know what I can do to make that clearer. Really, I don't. I did a survey last week or last couple of days. I put two examples a, a formal and an informal. I asked which one do you think was the better one? I would say about 70% said the formal one was better. But the question was that you're just writing to your gym teacher. And this, the language in the formal one was totally inappropriate. It was a band five and yet most people thought this was the better one. So we have to do something to address that. And 
I'm sorry if this I'm not talking to the right person. I'm sorry if you understand that. This might be a waste of time for you. Although later I am going to talk about academic formal English. Um but the other day I read that you can't help people until they realize they have a problem. And I have evidence that people have a problem with this part of the exam. Um but I can't work out how to help them properly. So let me know please do i've put it all in a course i've got a general training course i have to say it's not flying off the shelves why is that people don't want to know what they should do i don't know i really don't know but please please tell me if you know the answer so let me give you an example this question i mentioned was about um writing to your gym teacher i think it was one of last week's informal uh, general training questions to say that you can't come to class next week or the rest of the term and to say thank you you've enjoyed their lessons and say that you want to renew your membership that's the question so i just saw a lot i got my students to do this i saw lots of examples like this listen It is with utmost regret that I have to inform you I can no longer attend your classes. I look forward to renewing my membership next year. Okay, if you know me by now, if you've followed my lessons, you'll know that almost every word in that in those two sentences is the wrong choice. it is with utmost regret so that is the objective it is like it is well known um or it is often argued the impersonal sorry not objective but impersonal it it has no emotion no feeling it's completely academic do you want to write to your gym teacher like that So, utmost regret, utmost I would only use that. I don't know when I would use that. I can't even imagine using that word. It's fantastic. It's a formal word, but it's Charles Dickens. And it is with regret, formal word. You just say I'm sorry. That's it. I'm sorry. I have to inform you. So there's no contractions. There's I have to inform, just tell you. um i can no longer beautifully written attend attend means go to classes not attend um i look forward to is the most formal choice of ending a, an email i look forward is even more formal than i am looking forward so every choice at every stage here was was wrong um renewing my membership next year okay possibly but the, the the worrying thing is that when i posted my improved version um i as usual got a lot of negative comments and feedback that i shouldn't be teaching informal language to people um that it's a test so we have to be formal rubbish absolute rubbish please don't listen to these people um so my version was i'm really sorry 
I'm really sorry. That's what I would say if I'm speaking. I apostrophe M contraction. I'm really sorry, but I can't make it to your classes this month. I can't contraction make it phrasal verb to your classes this month. See you again next year. Hopefully exclamation mark. That's it. See you again next year. Nice informal ending. Hopefully a little joke at the end, exclamation mark, very light-hearted and friendly. That's all you need to get a band nine rather than a five. So the person who corrected me posted this and I know that they were only trying to be helpful. They weren't one of the rude ones. This was a nice person trying his best to show me how I should write the letter. So listen to this. I beg your pardon, but owing to unavoidable circumstances, I cannot continue taking exercise at your gym anymore. However, as soon as circumstances permit, I am going to resume the fitness classes but it will probably be early in the next year at the soonest. Okay, so hopefully you get my point. I beg your pardon. We only use that in extreme circumstances. If somebody's been rude and you are very upper class, you say, I beg your pardon. I would never say it, never. But... Owing to unavoidable circumstances. This is the kind of legal terms that you get when, for example, um, your train is cancelled. They will say due to unavoidable circumstances. It's highly formal and unnatural. I cannot continue. I cannot Instead of the, so that's the full version, instead of the contraction, I cannot, should be can't. However, very, very formal, uh, the most formal linking word I can think of. As soon as circumstances permit, so it's repetition of circumstances, permit is a formal word of the highest level. Permit, allow, maybe, let. It's a very formal legalistic expression. I'm going to resume the fitness classes. Resume. Start again. Resume is a formal word. So everything about that is wrong. And the only thing I could say is right about it is he put an exclamation mark at the end, which is the only thing. But then you'd get marked down for... Um, variable tone, half formal, half informal. So I, I just don't know what messages people are getting about this kind of writing. Um, I don't know if he thinks it's right. And 70% of my other students thought it was right. I, I, I don't know what to do next, really. So I do have on my website um, a, a, a post well, a few posts now because it comes up so often about how to make your writing less formal. And here are 10 tips from my post. First of all, number one, just say hi. Hi, exclamation mark. No dear. Um, yeah, 
say hi. Number two, contractions. You'll sound more natural if you use contractions. Any word that you can contract, do it. No cannot, say can't. Do not, don't. Have not, haven't. You are your. Contract. And the same goes for speaking in your speaking test. It's one of the five things I mention in my pronunciation blog that will change your pronunciation score. I promise you. Number three, no worries if you want to use slang. No worries. Slang is fine. Use slang. Um, number four, you know you can use que- ask questions, don't you? You can ask questions, talk indirectly, um, uh, question tags like this one, don't you? Number five, exclamation marks are fine too, exclamation mark. Yes, question marks, exclamation marks. Number six, don't forget to use some commands. So commands uh, could be like, let me know, uh, let me know how you're getting on right soon. Number seven, how about making a few suggestions? Uh, In this case, the gym instructor You could say maybe you fancy meeting up for coffee one day. Something like that. Number eight, the utilisation of overly formal utterances is to be avoided. Basically, don't use posh formal words. Don't use passives. If you ever use a grammar check, they'll tell you stop using passives. They're too unnatural and formal. Number nine, Instead of saying full sentences like, that's all for now, cut cut out words like, hope to see you soon, or all for now. You can drop pronouns. You don't need to write every word, but be be sure you know which ones you can drop off. (laughs) Drop out. Drop. Number 10, how to finish. Buy lots of love, exclamation mark, or bye, see you soon, have a nice Christmas, or all the best, something light, informal, happy, and cheerful. So there are 10 things to make your writing less formal. Now I'm going to move on to how to make your writing more formal, and it's just the opposite of everything I've just said. So the 10 commandments of academic writing that I wrote for my students start with this. Number one, thou shall not use contractions. You must not use contractions in academic English. Number two, I wouldn't use I or you if I were you. Academic English needs to be impersonal and objective like the one that we said before it is with deep regret for example so things like it is a well-known fact is more formal than saying many people know number three what does one think about rhetorical questions no don't use questions in formal language no don't even if They're good ones. Don't. Don't ask the reader. Don't speak directly to the reader. State your facts. Number four, emotional language is totally ludicrous. Yes, 
Don't use any language that could be seen as subjective. So, for example, saying um, that young people are too lazy these days. Not all young people are too lazy these days. Moderate your language. Speak cautiously. Be careful with what you say. Use hedging language. I have a whole lesson on this. Um, Use may or might or tend to or likely to. But avoid any emotional or subjective thought. Five, ditto for slang, kids. Ditch it. So, no slang. Kids is extremely informal. Sorry, extremely informal. Um, This letter, this essay about handwriting, um, about should children be taught how to write by hand, I've read hundreds of essays where people have said kids these days. No, young people these days, not kids in informal language. Number six, I've said it's better to surrender than to give up. Surrender is a formal word. Give up is a phrasal verb. No phrasal verbs. So where we saw Um, request, I think, in the previous letter that we mentioned, ask for. Um, Permit is formal word, you just say let. Uh, It is with regret is a formal word, I'm sorry. So choose informal or formal options, they're like two different languages, you have to know which one to choose when you're writing. So for general training, you have to switch from task one very quickly into academic for task two. Um, Your brain has to switch and you have to be prepared for that. You need these lists. They're on my website, lists of formal and informal equivalents. The academic word list, the plain English campaign, they are all on my website under the writing links. Number seven, to quote or not to quote. Okay, this was specifically for academic writing because there are specific rules about when to use quotes. And my advice is only if it's short and incisive. There's no point quoting huge long bits of text just to meet the word count. Um, It doesn't read well, doesn't help the reader. We want to see your summary of this idea. So in IELTS task two, no, quotes are not really considered academic for a different reason. Um, I've talked about this before, just when you say, um, people say money makes the world go round or health is wealth. They're just not appropriate for academic style essays. In university, of course, you have to quote, but not over long quotes Uh, You have to choose those quotes very carefully and keep them short. So this was number eight. The use of citation without saying who said it or where it came from is not good. Um, This is the huge problem in academic writing is how to um, quote and make sure it's clear to the reader that it's not your idea, it's somebody else's. So then you have to say who said it first. You have to write their name and the date and then have a reference list at the end. So the problem 
um, that people have is how to do that. And in IELTS, there's a similar issue when people make up um, research, for example. That, that can work sometimes, but don't make it up with too much detail. Don't say... A research from 1987 conducted in the Oxford University Press revealed that 35.2. No, just say recent research has shown. Keep it very um, undetailed. Keep it general. Recent research has shown. That's it. You don't need to say where it came from or make anything up. Number nine, I've said passive is highly regarded and should be used whenever possible. So the passive don't use in informal language, but in uh, academic language, passive is highly desirable. And again, train your brain. Instead of saying people think, say it is thought. People believe it is believed. Finally, number 10, in a nutshell, avoid cliches, sayings, etc. Like the plague, give them a wide berth, dot, dot, dot. There's a lot here. First one, avoid cliches. In a nutshell, well, it's a cliche and it's informal. Cliches means they, they're, they're, they're overused, they're boring, they're other people's words and... Um, that yeah, they they're not academic, so avoid cliches like every coin has two sides. Nobody says that; it's meaningless. And sayings and proverbs, things like that, etc. Now I marked somebody's today who said etc. You don't need to. You just say such as. Um, avoid informal language such as cliches and sayings. That's it. Etc. is lazy. It expects the reader to fill out the rest for you. So avoid it. And then the same goes for the three dots at the end. That's for literary writing, for stories. Do not put three dots at the end and expect the reader to fill in the gaps. Um, no. Okay, I think that is the end of my rant today. Um Oh, one last thing. Okay. No, I'll do that another time. So there are other things that make your language more formal, that give you an academic voice. Um, for example, using noun forms. Um, for example, instead of saying, if we lose suitable places for animals to live, you could say the loss of suitable habitat. So instead of saying, if we lose you change that verb to a noun, the loss. Um, this is one of my lessons in my writing course. And it's one of many lessons that will help you improve your formal language. It will make you sound like an expert, give you an academic voice, give your writing more formality, objectivity and authority. Um, make your message more succinct, make the meaning clearer. Lots of my courses follow um, all of those rules and give you practice. 
So on Sunday, I'm launching my general training version of the academic 28-day course. Remember, you can join the academic course anytime. You don't have to wait until I launch a challenge. Um, It's there, it's set up, it's ready to go with everything you need to improve your academic writing. And the general training one, I'm starting just putting the last things, the last details in starting on Sunday, the 1st of December. If you're listening to this later on, you can join it anytime you want. It's an online course with a daily task, daily worksheet, daily practice, daily email, daily Facebook Live um, and me to help you. So if you've realised that you do not know the difference between informal and formal writing and you need help, it's all there for you. Thank you for listening today and let me know if you've got any questions. Bye-bye.